Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Second day back on the air. To everybody who sent me a note yesterday and said, hey, it's good to hear you back on the air again. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's always good to feel <laughs> it's always good to feel loved instead of hated. Yeah, Lord knows I get hated enough. But uh but no, it's uh, nice to be back and nice to be doing this again. The um, But I'm going to mess with the show a little bit because I don't know that I can keep doing two hours a day with the increasing demands of post-traumatic winning. And so I'm going to mess with it a little bit. Um, and so I'm going to kind of stick with an hour format unless I have something like a battlefield study or something like that that would make me extend uh, the uh, my own work day which is the show okay so Mac what would cause something like this well what would cause it is just all the different things that are going on relative to post-traumatic winning. Right, for instance, this week, I'll work on, uh, you know, Stacy and I are writing a book. I'll have a meeting with somebody who's got um, some kind of video project that they want to they wanna do that's, you know, that has post-traumatic winning at the center of it. You know, pitch it to somebody like Netflix. And so uh, I'll meet with them. Um, uh, we continue, you know, the, we continue to do the seminar stuff. So post-traumatic winning outside of his banks. And uh, which is, I mean, really exciting. Uh, and simply the opportunity to help more people and do that. And uh, one of the casualties might be, sadly, 
that the show might have to go to one hour. And uh, which is fine. I mean, I think most people, a lot of people would say, well, I'm okay with that. Hell, Mac, I'll only listen to the second hour anyway, or some other rude comment. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're out there. So, anyhow, um, <laughs> not that I'm hating on anybody. I'm not. Um, so, uh, yeah, so welcome to a Tuesday edition of All Marine Radio. The, the weather, big story across the country. Um, you see, uh, you know, not from coast to coast, but certainly in the central part of the country, extending all the way, you know, east, uh, you know, into Alabama and south down to the Texas border. You know, Tim Lynch saying it was, you know, 22 degrees there yesterday. Um, you're looking further north in Texas where, you know, wind turbines, which is for many places their form of energy. Uh, they've stopped spinning, so there is no energy. So, you know, the temperatures plunge into the 20s, and you don't have the capacity to pump electricity through the grid. Or I'm not sure how they do that. And whenever these kind of things happen, and, you know, you get a shortage of energy, there's ways that people transmit extra energy through grids, you know, to different places. And the price of that goes through the roof, blah, 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 blah. So that a big story around the country today. The other story, um, and, and I saw a headline, and I think it was in National Review. And um, which is uh, a conservative, right? A conservative uh, website. And so there was a uh, there was an article entitled "It's a Blacklist," right? And I'm trying to find it. Here it is. It's a blacklist, pure and simple. And and think about that. You know, when when we think about blacklists, uh, we think about uh, Senator Joe McCarthy and his hearings where he accused people of being communist, right? And I mean, what you're seeing now is just take the word communist out of it, you know, and put the word racist in it uh, or hang one of the labels on that would get you canceled. And that's what you're seeing in our country today. And it's enabled by a media who doesn't believe in the principles of journalism that have been taught for decades uh, in, in journalism school, they believe that their primary responsibility is to be activists. That is further enabled by, in my opinion, a Democratic Party led by Nancy Pelosi, who doesn't condemn anything, anything that increases what she perceives to be the power of the Democratic Party and diminishes the Republican Party. Throughout the summer, we saw, you know, cities burned down. Not a peep. Not a peep out of her about this is not the way we do it. They will do what they will do. Now, the headline is written by Rich Lowry, who, if you're a conservative, you've heard of him. It's a blacklist, pure and simple. Subheadline, today's cancel culture harkens back to the excesses of the McCarthy era. 
harkens back. It's a replication of it. Cancellations had a precursor in the Hollywood blacklist. And people in Hollywood, if you ask them about this, they would be adamant, like, that was, that was awful. It was horrible what happened to those people. But we're doing it again. Why should anyone get upset with the ongoing wave of cancellations across the culture when the government isn't involved? This isn't a First Amendment issue, we're told. Rather, private entities taking, making their own decisions to disassociate themselves from people who have said or done controversial things. This line of argument, often made by cancellation apologists, is lacking in a number of respects, including that there is no reason it wouldn't also justify the Hollywood blacklist that the left considers one of the darkest moments of American history. Jonathan Chait of New York Magazine made this point in a sharp column on Gina Carano, on Gina Carano's cancellation, entitling it, Firing Actors for Being Conservatives is Another Hollywood Blacklist. I'll post a link to that column, as well as this one. But think about it. Blacklisting. Right? His piece, not surprisingly, got blowback from progressives. On Twitter, Chait's critics pointed out that Carano wasn't being called to testify before Congress and name other right-wingers, and the current victims of cancellation aren't going to jail. Movie reviewer Danielle Solzman wrote, The Red Scare is the result of the United States government cracking down on communist infiltration regardless of proof. There is no comparison, she continued. Gina Carano needs to be held responsible for her actions. She is not the target of a government investigation, nor is the government restricting her speech. To the contrary, he writes, not only is there a comparison, it is, an import it is in important respects incredibly apt. It is true that the House Un-American Activities Committee got things rolling by issuing subpoenas to several dozen people associated with Hollywood, 10 of whom, the unfriendly 10, or the Hollywood 10, refused to cooperate. They got cited for contempt and eventually sent to jail. We haven't seen anything remotely like this era yet. But the Hollywood blacklist was, in significant respects, a private initiative with the studios reacting to PR worries and market pressures to cancel writers and actors in a direct analog to what was happening across industries, not just in Hollywood. Fearful of potential fallout at the box office, of continuing to employ any of the Hollywood tent, studio executives got together at the Waldorf Astoria in New York City to consider their options, and they decided to cut ties with the tent and not employ communists or any member of any subversive organization. So let me tell you, what you see, and I won't read the whole column to you, I'll cut to the end. Okay, but, but let me tell you this. When people begin to get their exacto knife out, because the comparison with, right, McCarthyism and the Hollywood blacklist is really close, right? If you're in that ballpark, if you're in that bug splat, it ain't good and it ain't right. If you listen to, to what she said, right? She said there, there had to be an accounting for the election. That's what she said. 
And as a conservative, she said, I think a very she she made a very cons- mainstream conservative statement, and that got her fired from her job. If you don't know who she is, she's in uh, a series called The Mandalorian, which is a spinoff of Star Wars. Yep, she plays this. I think she was an MMA fighter at one time, and she plays this rocked up girl. She's a beautiful woman, and um, and she's marauding through the galaxies doing. You know, fighting and doing stuff. So anyway, um, she makes this very, what I would consider mainstream, wasn't, you know, it wasn't endorsing, you know, a riot, an insurrection, if you will. She wasn't doing any of that. She talked about the election. And that got her fired. So anyway, um, I would recommend that. But again, eerily familiar of an era in which most Americans would say that is absolutely, positively wrong and should never happen in this country. Well, guess what, boys and girls? We're back there again. That's right. All right, the United States Marine Corps Band makes this morning official. Good morning to you. Dedicated to uh, all the Marines and sailors uh, with a uh, second ma that for the last three weeks I spent time with. And uh, I just want to tell you what a great time I had. Um, and um, thank you for your hospitality. And I hope that in some way, shape, or form, the ideas and the thoughts presented in post traumatic winning impact your life. I know it will. I know it will. So uh, this is dedicated to the leadership of the MAW. And to the Marines and sailors who uh, went out of their way to make my um, my speaking for the last three weeks happen, uh, from the people at the the, the uh, base theater at Cherry Point, to the chapel uh, at New River, to the uh, to the theater at uh, the Marine Corps Air Station in Buford, and so my thanks to all of them, and most most importantly to the leadership of the division for. Uh, bringing me in and believe it or not post-traumatic winning has people that don't like it yep and they push hard to keep it out and it takes no small amount of courage as a commanding general to say yeah sorry we're bringing it and then uh to the three mef commander uh, lieutenant general boudreau who came 
and he stayed for the whole thing. Uh, just want to, and his sergeant major, uh, want to thank them for coming and, uh, and certainly appreciate their kind words at the end of it. So this is dedicated to all of that in a pretty eventful three and a half weeks. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. We'll check the weather right now. Currently cloudy in 41 in Quantico. It is partly sunny in 67 at Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune, which is warmed up from last week when I was there. What the hell, man? Sunny in 57 Marine Corps Base 29 Palms. Partly sunny, 54 at Camp Pendleton. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy in 70. In Okinawa, dark cloudy, 59. And in Darwin, dark cloudy in 80. Darwin, where it's always warm. And in Oslo, Norway. Yeah, way north. It is cloudy and 28 degrees. Currently at your home for All Marine Radio, it is mostly cloudy and 56. Small craft advisory in effect. Looking for a high today of 65 degrees. 65 tomorrow, 68 on Thursday, 66 on Friday, 67 on Saturday. How about that? Yep. Rained a little bit last night. But again, rain is not like 
but the rest of the nation knows there's rain, so it's sprinkled a little bit. The concrete was wet, let me put it that way. So uh, that is a look at your weather. Now, we're going to uh, we're going to talk to Luke and Emma Weichel today. And uh, so let me get uh, let me get them on the let me get them on the blower right now. So uh, Luke is Luke is post traumatic winner number one. And uh, Emma is his better half. So uh, so they're gonna hopefully join us from Huntsville, Alabama. And I just hit her microphone move. So or something move. So uh, Luke, are you there? Yeah, we're there, Matt. Emma, how are you? Doing good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm hearing good things about you. So I see. So whenever I do post traumatic winning, I see Luke all the time. I see Luke. There's a picture that I put up, right? Of Libby's on the right in a red like Marine Corps mom shirt, right? Luke's standing there like a badass Lance Corporal, right? Um, and then uh, his little brother Russell standing there, and his father Luther Senior is standing there. And uh, and then I hear uh, I tell I talk about Luke, and I'm now taking the, calling Luke post traumatic winner number one. And uh, and so for those of you that don't know the story, um, Luke starts listening to All Marine Radio, right? And in right not too long after it started, he finds it, and um, and then he listens, and then he begins to email. And then Luke's, you know, Luke is so, I would say, typical of uh, of Marines in in his journey. In that, right, you go fight in Iraq, and Luke was uh, there in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, oh three eleven, and he had friends get killed, and like a lot of us, and you come home, and these things haunt you, right? And then you go look for help, and everybody more than willing to medicate you and send you to therapy. But the problem is I'm not getting better, right? I'm not getting better. And being Marines, and and I would say most of the population does the same thing. We learn how to fake it and we learn and we drink to, to numb it. And so I meet Luke and which is, which is the path that we travel as a culture. And I would tell you, the way Ameri- the, the way Americans deal with trauma, and probably most of the world, truth be known, but I don't, I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself informed on the rest of the world. So I meet Luke as he emails me about the program, and then and then our relationship changes when he starts emailing me. We get to know each other well enough that he gets comfortable emailing me late at night when he's been drinking. And I should look to see if I still have those emails. Holy shit, man. They're like bad. Those would be fun to read. Just not on air. <laughs> They're like bad girlfriend breakup. They're like drunk girlfriend breakup emails, right? They're long and horrific, man. So I finally, now I don't, and I tell everybody in the presentation, I don't really know what I'm doing yet. I don't know post-traumatic winning. It doesn't, it's not called this yet. I know that I've learned a bunch of stuff and I need to share it with people. I think if I share it with people, right, then I can help them. But I don't really understand what, what's about to happen. So I, you know, I call Luke one day after, after another long drunken epistle at night. And, uh, and, and he goes, hey, Mac, what's going on? I said, hey, Luke, you got to stop drinking. And he says, I know. And I said, no, I don't mean it like that. And again, I say in the presentation, I don't really know why I said this next, um, but 
sometimes I have too much self-confidence. I said this. I said, hey, Luke, I don't mean it like that, man. I'm giving you an order to stop drinking. Do you understand me? Now, if we're playing Family Feud, the most likely response from a Lance Corporal, you got out as a corporal, right, Luke? Yeah, corporal. Right? The most likely response from a corporal that's been out of the Marine Corps for eight years to an officer that's been out of the three out of the Marine Corps for three years is what? F you, man. Right? Go run somebody else's mother F in life. But what I don't understand is that the role Gunny Y played for me when that helicopter crashed in front of me and decapitated one guy and three other Marines fought and lost their fight for their death, for their life. Gunny Y gives me advice that day. He pulls me into the tribe. It's a tribal event because of his credibility. So what you think would happen, you know, relative to family feud and the most likely answer is not what's really going on. But I don't really understand that. Right. Because I'm way I'm waiting for that answer. Right. I'm waiting for that response. And Luke says, like Luke says, um, you know, what would good Marines say? And, and the DNA of Marines is good. They're not afraid of a challenge. And he knows I know him and he knows me. So this is a tribal event and he doesn't even know it, but he's getting yanked further into the tribe by this. And so, you know, he says, yes, sir. And I said, Luke, if you don't think I'll come to Alabama, you don't know me. And he said something like, I believe you. And I said, oh, you should. And so being the dude that he is, his life changes, right? And then Libby tells a story of Luke's at his house, at her house. And Luke had written me an email. I had read it. And she had mentioned it to Luke. And Luke says to her, mom, I wrote that. And with that, Libby loses her shit, right? <laughs> she loses her shit. So she's he's at her house and she says, I could see such a difference in my son that she said, I asked him, are you on a different medication? Or are you seeing a new therapist? And he starts telling her about All Marine Radio. So then Libby begins to listen and that's when she hears the email, blah, 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 blah. And so Libby goes on to tell the story about um, emailing me saying thank you. Now, again, I don't really understand what I've done. I think I'm just, you know, giving information to Marine and helping them out. And, and I emailed back something straight from my heart, right? And that was this. Libby, you don't have to thank me. I've seen them fight. Maybe not Luke specifically, but I've seen them fight. They're the most courageous, selfless people on this planet. And they don't come when it's convenient. They don't come when they get around to it. If you scream help, they'll come swinging a chain and they'll die. So, Libby, I'd do anything to help your kid. You don't have to thank me. And then Libby yoked my ass up, right, which I had never had happen to me before, the mother of a Lance Corporal. Like, she, she yokes me up, and she says, essentially, you don't get it, Mac. I know you don't get it. And then I played the audio from this phone conversation where she, she talks about seeing Luke in this spiral, right, where he goes to help. He's not getting the help, right? He's drinking, right? And, and as his mother watching this and the helplessness that you feel and the terror that you feel that we're going to lose our kid maybe because he's not getting better. And so that was three years ago, right? That was three years ago. And, and so Luke and Emma are now married, right? I've been to their, are you guys still at the same place? 
Yeah, just just past a two year anniversary. There yeah. you go. So I've been I've been to, I've been to their home and the um and so I wanted to have Luke and I were just exchanging some text messages and I said, hey, why don't you hop on the program today? So Luke, I want to before we bring Emma in and talk about Emma's doing some really cool stuff and we'll talk about it kind of generally, but um, talk about talk about your journey, Luke. I mean, if you would have told yourself you know what it's going on three years ago that your life would be what it is today would you have believed it yeah probably not it's 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 definitely improved a whole lot you know there's no no doubt about it you know it's going down a bad path and didn't really see much of a way out and it had been like that for i don't know not not long after i you know probably 2009 right and but but yeah and you know hearing hearing you speak the truth about it and I think that it was it was back when you and uh, you and the gunner were speaking and, and and making the whole comment of you know your PTSD as a you know as a veteran isn't something to be ashamed of or isn't something to even you know that that's something you earned where other people don't have a choice and you know and that's it's it was it was kind of more of a kick in the pants like you don't really have an excuse to let this just ruin your life. You know, you, 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 and we did, you know, those of us who want to be, you know, grunts in the Marines, you know, the, 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 the ultimate glory is getting to go to combat. So, you know, that's, and that's just part of it. And it's just kind of funny once you, you know, start, I guess, experiencing the, the, the negative stuff that, that gets, you know, people to start drinking and, you know, you know, hiding from their problems. You know, I guess you just, you don't factor that in when you're, when you're thinking about what this is going to be like. And, um, and I think like with what you're doing right now, especially if this can somehow get because, you know, we're we're on the it's not going to be too long. We're going to be involved in some other war somewhere. And uh, and, and we're going to need to arm the guys with a little bit better knowledge of, of what to expect and, and not and not be afraid, not be afraid of what's, you know, what, what comes of you afterwards. You know, the um, yeah, you know, you know, because we choose it, right? You know, yeah. you, you nobody gave you if if you're you know you went to war. Nobody gave you your, you know, your PTSD. You chose it. You earned it. You know, and and the other part of that is, is for everybody else. We have to stop looking at combat trauma as this exotic. It's so different, you know, from every other form of trauma, and that we can only talk to other combat veterans about it. I mean, to me, that's all the excuses we throw out there to hide. And not to not to deal with it. And I'll tell you, it's certainly unique in its own way. Is it worse than being raped? Right? Is it b- worse than being beaten as a child? Is it worse than being sexually assaulted as a child? You know, I, I don't think it is. No, I, th- I don't either. I, right. I, I think it's it's its own nuanced form of trauma. But we have a tendency to exalt it. And, uh, and then, you know, I believe, you know, allow people too much space when what most people need is they need to talk to somebody about it, somebody who won't judge them, somebody who loves them, and uh, and so I I think that's uh, I think that's important to give everybody an update. Uh, you're about to graduate, so you know what are you doing and where you where are you going? And then I want to talk about what Emma's got going here, well, doing I'm a little volunteer. I'm still right about a year out. I'm looking at um, hopefully I'll be interning this summer. Uh, for one of the you know uh, defense contractors here in town, but um, yeah, I should. I, well, tell everybody, plan- tell everybody what you're gonna, what you want to be. Well, hopefully, work on rockets or missiles or something like that. Doing uh, aerospace engineering here in here in Rocket City. Rocket City, Huntsville, Alabama. For those of you who don't know, 
right? Luke's, yeah, hopefully going to be uh, home to the uh, to the uh, uh, Space Force Command. Yeah, how about that? I saw that. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't it be? Well, exactly. it wouldn't be because somebody has a p- political agenda or somebody throws up more money. We know that. But truth be told, right, the history of Huntsville and Rockets is long and uh, and pretty amazing history. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. All right. I want to talk. Uh, Emma, talk about your volunteering. Um, Emma just passed like off the fourth part of your accounting deal, right, Emma? Well, I don't know for certain yet. I find out in exactly a week Uh-oh. if I'm a CPA, but you, um, I, you, I think I passed. You feel good about it? I do feel good about it. The um, Nice. Nice. All right. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for another week, and uh, and then uh, then you guys are going to be rich because accountants make a lot of money. Do you know that, Emma? <laughs> That's right. Luke's excited about it. If you're not, the um, <laughs> the so let's talk about you guys. You guys do some volunteering together. So Emma kind of got it started. So Emma, talk about what you talk about what you're doing. Yeah. So I've always really loved volunteering. Um, in school, I was one of those nerdy kids that was in the honor societies where they made you volunteer to keep to be in the societies. But I found out I really loved it. So I would volunteer at nursing homes and different things. And um, I'd say about a year ago, I found out or I volunteered for the first time at our downtown rescue mission. So they deal with our homeless population. They have a women's and children's side and a men's side. And when I went to orientation and found out just all the things they do for our homeless population, they have finance services where local credit unions help people budget. They help people learn how to get benefits if they don't even know what office to go to. It's it's just an amazing thing. It's more than just feeding people and giving them a place to sleep. And, right. and um, as a Christian, I was absolutely just delighted at the Christian mission. It's all focused on Christ. So it was very special to me. So earlier this year, um, or I guess maybe late last year, um, I told Luke I wanted us to commit to volunteering weekly together. Just take out an hour of our week and just commit to it. So we started doing that, and it has just been so so rewarding um, and just amazing. We've met great people. We're starting to get to know people where they're opening up to us about their stories, and it's just amazing. We've been able to talk about PTSD and kind of the hope that there is if you – if you put in the work, you can get better. And I don't know, I don't know how much Lucas told you, but I was raped when I was younger. And I think my history with trauma is why I was able to put up with Luke and his spiraling. I I could see that he just needed help and I believed in him. She's so out of my league or I'm, yeah, she's so out of my league. Yeah. We, hey, we know you're marrying up and she's marrying down. I think Emma, <laughs> yeah, I Emma's not dealt with all of her issues. That's where you come in, man. You're one of them. What, um, <laughs> what, uh, no, Emma, you mentioned that when we were sitting there that day. Um, but, um, you were very, I don't want to say shy when you mentioned it. And the fact that you would mention, talk about it today, like you just did, um, talk to me about that. That's not an easy thing to throw out in public and bring up, but, uh, it's, you've obviously found a way to use that. Uh, as Victor Frankl would say, right, to give your suffering meaning and to help the work that you do, that experience opens a door, I'm sure, with people to listen and have a conversation that you're now, by doing this, you know, you're 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 transforming your trauma into joy 
uh, on a weekly basis. So that's a pretty amazing journey that you've been through. Yes. Um, I was, I was very blessed that right after my trauma happened, I was put in contact with great resources. Unfortunately, sexual assault on college campuses is an, it's so horrible, but they do have a lot of resources. So if you are in college, there were women crisis centers that I was able to go through. And, um, I got, I was someone that therapy really did help me. It took time, but I was in therapy for a couple of years after, um, you're speaking down there. Yeah, I did it. So I did individual therapy and then I did group therapy. And after the group had been group therapy for a while, my therapist um, asked if I'd be interested in speaking at an event called Take Back the Night. Mm-hmm. It's an awareness um, event right. for sexual assault in college campuses. It's a, it's a national movement too. Um, yes. I know that I've participated in it um, uh, a few, a few more than a few times. Um, yeah, they, they have events all over the, uh, in that week or in that month, uh, w- which is, I think, uh, National Sexual Assault Awareness Month or something like that, you'll see Take Back the Night events uh, all across the country. So, yeah. And you spoke? Yeah. You spoke. Yes, I spoke at the um, event in Tuscaloosa that year. So that wow. was, it was really hard. And I'm, I'm going to cry just thinking about it. It was very difficult to write out my story and say it, but I knew that um, date rape is so common. I knew my I knew my attacker, but I wasn't confident enough to uh, pursue any legal ramifications or anything. I was too scared. So, I I do think I have a good story, and that so many women deal with this. So, I'm proud to be able to, um, to speak to it and to maybe help others. You know, it's interesting when you say about writing it. Um, I was at Camp Lejeune a month ago, and Adam Marine came up to me and said, "I can't talk to you. I can't speak these words, but I wrote them. Would you read them?" And the story is he was gang raped. He went to get high with some friends in high school. And uh, and unbeknownst to him, you know, they're passing whatever they're passing around. And it has meth in it. And he said, it knocks me for a loop. And then while I'm all, you know, while I'm just in this, like, stone state, they give me a drink and I drink it. And it has a horse tranquilizer in it. They then put an ad on gay Tinder and say, if you want to have sex with a guy, um, come to this address. Good Lord. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's just horrible. And I'm sitting there, I'm sitting here reading it, and he's just standing there with tears coming down his face, right? And so you talk about, you know, the, you know, the the things that that happen to people and how brutal they are, and uh, and then I, I I would say this, and I don't hate on therapists or anything like that, but I, the people I talk to. The vast majority of therapy in the country doesn't help people. It doesn't help people. And and, and, and the reason I, I, I say that now publicly is that you as the consumer, you need to interview your therapist. You need to say, how do, you, how do we do this? And because therapy is a three-legged stool. They've got to get you. You've got to get them. And together you have to make progress. And so often, you know, we go and we don't make progress and we're intimidated by the therapist and we just quit. We quit going, which isn't good, which isn't good for us. And so, you know, you both your stories are, you know, are so typical for the things that I see every day in my life, every day in my life. And the, but the coolest part of your story of where this thing goes as 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 you begin to volunteer, Emma. So keep so keep telling us the story about 
you you're volunteering now how does that opportunity get in front of you and 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 you guys commit to it and what do you guys do um so I volunteered at the mission um, through a work event last year. So I went with a bunch of coworkers, um, and and I and that's how I found out about the mission. And then I I went and did their orientation program and actually signed on to be a volunteer and be in their be in their list of people to, they can put on a schedule. And it was really just it's something that I'd been wanting to do more, um, just do more for others. It I think the benefits to your mental health is it's just out of this world when you serve other people like your problems go away they disappear like I mean, like that's that's the mantra of you know ptw right there you know serving and especially others. like i do taxes so right now well I'm hold like, on they don't disappear because i heard you get emotional a few minutes ago but i say i, I kind of use the analogy of you're a ship when these things happen to you like when i met luke his trauma his trauma dominated his life Right. So if you look at yourself as a ship going through the water, it's on the forward part of the ship. It's on the bridge. It's on in, in down in the guts of the ship and it's on the fantail of the ship. And as you do what Emma's doing, which is as you help other people, you get these bow waves of joy. Right. How do you go from trauma to joy to the point where you can hear the happiness in Emma's voice? Just listen to it. Right. To the point where. Trauma is knocked to the fantail of the ship. It's holding on to the ass end of the ship. Now, the trauma being what it is, and you just heard it in her voice, you can't wash it off the ship, right? Um, but if you listen to the joy in her voice, you can tell that trauma is not the dominant emotion in her life, and you can hear it in Luke's voice. Trauma is not the dominant emotion in, in their life. But um, So anyway, does, does that make sense? This kind of a long-winded explanation. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, yeah, I, I think I, I like your uh, the, the the Grinch shit. analogy. That's <laughs> the best. That's uh, I don't know. Well, you know, every Grinch I yeah. own, your mother sends me. <laughs> I have Libby. I when I use that Grinch analogy, which she loves, I talk about when you, you know, when you have these experiences, and I have them all the time. I had one like at I don't know nine o'clock last night. Sergeant Major calls me. Hey, man, I've got a guy who's out of the Marine Corps who called me, and he's really struggling. Could you call him tomorrow? I said, why can't I talk to him right now? And he said, well, you could. I said, all right, you call him and tell him. And he said, he's been drinking. I said, all right, call him. I said, look, I've dealt with a drunk before, or once, <laughs> once or twice, right? And so, I mean, we are Marines. And so um, I said, will you call him? And tell him I'm going to call him. And if he doesn't acknowledge it, then I won't call him tonight. And he did. And I called him. And he runs a, a guide and outfitter business. I said, dude, your life's about to change in a way you can't even anticipate. Because you're in the perfect profession to touch the lives of other people. And yeah, by, the time, by the time... Doing that kind of work, that, that's a lot of... A lot out in the wild and a lot of pretty deep conversations, you know? Well, but again, and so for veterans, they take <clears throat> veterans on these things, right? And, right, right? and and I told him this. The coolest part about what I'm going to teach you is that you're going to be able to do this with anything, anybody. Victims of rape, victims of domestic violence, children that have lost parents, right? You're going to be able to, to, to use this thing to impact all of them. Just not veterans, and so you're you're, you're going to stop using hunting a hunting weekend as a shot of novocaine, 
okay? Another way we numb ourselves to get through the weekend and kind of have a little bit of happy dose. And you're going to be able to transform lives. And he was like, like, who are you, dude? Like, I'm like, I'm fucking Batman, man. <laughs> and, uh, excuse me, I, mean, I shouldn't, I should, but that was what I said. And he starts laughing, right? And it reminds me very much the conversation with you, Luke, in that it is this tribal, very comfortable, warm conversation that you're having with another Marine. We know the culture, you know, he's a grunt like you and I, and, um, and he's struggling and it's a safe place. And, and so, so, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool. But the Grinch, certainly, certainly a part of it. I have a cup Libby sent me. I have an actual Grinch doll, stuffed Grinch that sits on my windowsill in my kitchen. I see, I see that dude every day. And the coffee, the Grinch coffee mug sits next to the Grinch. In fact, the Grinch's hand normally rests inside the coffee mug. Thank God it's empty. Thank God it's empty. The, um, I got an email. Sitting here listening to this is so cool. I remember years ago hearing Luke for the first time. And now to hear him today is absolutely awesome. Post-traumatic winner number one. He needs to get a shirt or a plaque, Mac. (laughs) Right? Let the black widow out of your wallet and get Luke a shirt or a plaque for the love of God. Custom license plate. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> PTW1, you know that's not taken. No, that's you not know it's thing. not, man. You need to roll with that, man. Alabama, PTW right. number one. <laughs> and then the email goes on to say, hearing Emma talk about being raped made my heart leap. I have somebody in my family who's gone through a very similar experience, and it just pinched me to reach out to her. Thank you for the conversation this morning, guys. Truly appreciate it. You guys sound great. Nice going, Mac. Just more evidence that the sun does shine on a dog's ass every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. All right. Whatever. The um. So Emma, tell me what you're doing at the mission now. When you so you go down there, you guys made made the decision to volunteer. But what do you uh, what do you actually do down there? So we um, we go um, for their dinner serving time. So we are almost exclusively serving desserts. Got it. That is what we do while we're there, which I kind of, I find it funny. There's nothing like, no matter if you have nothing in common, we can all bond over liking chocolate and sweets. <laughs> so like, you can always make conversation about like, look how good this apple pie looks. <laughs> so, but it's just been really rewarding and just having little bits of conversation with the guys that come through there and the men's side has a lot less volunteers. I think, um, it seems like mm -hmm, it's usually just us, but I, I think that, um, most of their volunteers are females or, um, families bringing their children. There's a lot of children that'll go volunteer, but they volunteer on the women's and children's side usually. So the men's side, which can be kind of intimidating, I think to a lot of females or you wouldn't want to bring your children there just in case they're exposed to something inappropriate. Um, but so I, I felt like we needed to go towards where there was need. I wasn't scared to serve dinner to the homeless guys and, um, it's just been really great. And, um, yeah, it's been as more rewarding to us than I think than what we're doing for them. It's just been great. Yeah. One, uh, if I can jump in one thing that, uh, I kind of hate to admit even, but, um, you know, before I, before Emma drug me over to do this, um, which I'm very thankful we're doing now because it, it is part of not just post-traumatic wedding, but it's, it's part of being a Christian. You know, we're, we're commanded by, by Christ to do these, you know, to, to help one another. But, um, you know, I, 
you know, you see homeless people out in public and stuff and, you know, you, you get an opinion that these, you know, these people are either, you know, you know, drug addicts, alcoholics, you know, crazy mental health problems. It's real easy to kind of put them into their category of almost almost not really people. But um, I've I've come to learn just from just from these people coming through the line. You know, they're they're very genuine, nice people and they're just like the rest of us. They're just on hard times. And, uh, you know, it's like anyone else. I'm sure there's some bad apples mixed about them. But I mean, they're they're just very kind people and they're they're courteous to my wife and they're appreciative of us. And it's it's really nice to, to have conversations with them. And and, and the more the more we've been going, the, the more folks have opened up. You know, it's been, you know, one guy in particular that we're really seeming to get to a little bit. But um, but yeah, it's just it's just an awesome thing. And uh, I know the the, the longer and, and the more we do this, I think maybe the more access we'll start to have as well. And, um, you know, just just helping however way we can. Are they, um, you've talked, have you talked about post-traumatic winning with, 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 uh, I, I have with, with, with one individual he's on, see the Christian or the mission, the Christian mission has right. a residency program. Is it two years, Emma? Um, one year. One year. Okay. It's a one year residency program. It's, you know, it's, it's strict. You, you stay there. Uh, you know, you, you work, you work at the shelter, you have jobs and, um, and, 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 and this particular guy was working in the kitchen. He's now in the warehouse, but, um. But Emma had talked to him a little bit because he, he he'd come over when in between because the the residents would eat first. The, you know, there's only about 20 or 30 of them. The guys are there all the time. They eat, then they leave, and then the guys um, who are just coming in for a bed for the night. And you know, there's usually what do you say, 50 or 60 of them. So. Um, it's it's anywhere from 50 to 200 depending on yeah, how cold it go. is outside. Yeah, Whoa. so depending on weather, but um. But yeah, um, so we've 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 talked to one of the guys a little bit in between, kind of kind of change over time. There's a, about a 15, 20 minute break, and um, and and Emma kind of primed it for me. She was it was a week that I think I had something to do for school or something. I couldn't go, and um, and you know she was just mentioning you know talking about post you know um, just post traumatic stress and, and and that sort of thing, and um, and I talked to him the next week, and it's very you know once again. It, just how, how unique just individuals are in everyone's situation that you, you know, you, like this guy in particular, you know, he, he's there because he harms himself. You know, I'm not sure if he, if he cuts or burns himself or what, but he's a self harm. Well, let me jump in. Yeah. He actually came there because he had a successful suicide attempt. Okay. He was yeah, pronounced yes. dead Correct. in the hospital yeah. and they were able to resuscitate him against all odds. And Whoa. he didn't know where else to go. And they gave him the number of the mission and helped him get in with them. And, and he was just kind of saying that he's one of the few there who isn't there for an addiction problem. He's there for it's purely depression, PTSD, and getting over just chronic trauma from his childhood. So it's just been so amazing to hear his story and have him open up to us. And I, it was a week that Luke wasn't there, and I told him that Luke was a combat Marine and knows PTSD just about as well as anyone, and that he would certainly be open to talking to him. And um, and I think that that kind of opened the door that he knew that we were willing to talk about the hard stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and um, you know, he, he opened up to me about, uh, he was, he was a teenager and I guess you had, had a child very young and um, he, he, he hadn't, which we've only, the two of us have only had about 15 minutes now in total. And, um, and, and he mentioned, I shouldn't have been driving. He said he was 15. So I don't know if, you know, if it was, anything besides just whatever the, the circumstances don't matter but his his, his infant child and and the, the woman uh, the mother of the child were in the car with him 
and he got, I think it was bad weather, got in a wreck. He walked away from it. They were both killed pretty much instantly. And this is when he was 15. And, um, and that's, that's kind of the note we ended on the last time, which I'm looking forward to picking it up with, picking up on it. I said, I said, do you, do you feel like you have survivor's guilt? You know, does that, does that ever cross your mind? He's like, that's exactly what I have. You know, I felt like I should have went with them or I should have went and they shouldn't have. And, and, you know, I, I certainly know a thing or two about that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to just connecting more with him. And, uh, and he really seems to be all about the program. I don't, I don't think he had really any connection to Christ before joining this, but based on some of the questions he's asked and that sort of thing. But I, I mean, he's, you know, hundred percent in, and, um, and, and it sounds like he's, he's going to be also a bit of a sponge to the idea of post-traumatic winning. And in turn, just like you've done for me, he'll turn around and start spreading it within the walls in there. Well, let me just tell you, as I was sitting here listening to both of you, that's the key thing that, that you need to have happen, right? Is you need to have um, this tool all of a sudden begin to be scrutinized and spread by people who are peers of people in there. And right. then, and, and so to me, the more I've done this, now this is the third year I've been, I started, you know, just, I, 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 this is the third year I've been doing this. And here's what I see, um, is the credibility, right, of somebody looking at somebody else and say, have I ever told you anything good about mental health? And they say, no. And then they say, you've got to see this, Right. And now this right. happens to me on a regular basis with spouses. You know, I had this this spouse call me from uh, her husband's in in First Battalion, Fifth Marines. Dude, I don't know who you are, I don't know what you do, but my husband will not leave me alone until I speak with you. Could you <laughs> please call me? Who the hell are you, right? And so here you have you know a Marine who never says anything good about mental health, right? Right. And and yep. and she was she was raped and abused when she was a kid. And he loves his wife, right? And he's saying, No, 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 no. This guy can help you. This is different. So there's a credible person that opens the door. And the thing that post traumatic winning does, you know, and Emma's seen it, I mean, not only in her own life but but with Luke as well, right? Is that you have so many people try to bullshit you and say things like time heals all wounds and stuff that you look at them and just go just go away with that okay please stop i can't take this anymore and um and so it doesn't do that it tells you two things and you hear that the first commandment is you're never going to get over your traumatic experiences ever and you hear that and you're like oh god there's nothing wrong with you you can't go these through these things without them sticking to you. And the good news is that not only can you live a good life, you can live a great life. And I want you to meet Elizabeth Smart. And you play the Elizabeth Smart audio. And that kind of stuff for people that have been through traumatic experiences gets their attention and keeps the door open so that you can walk them down this path of how to get out of the valley of the shadow of death and then if you and then if you look at him and say if you'll ask two questions can I talk to you you know there's nothing wrong with you right you know that everything you're feeling and everything you're going through is absolutely normal for what you went through and you say that to a rape victim you say that to somebody who's 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 by life's randomness right or by the grace of god survives a horrible vehicle accident in which they're at fault and other people get killed 
right. you will have yep. the, you will have their attention because they're they're down in that valley hoping and groping that something gets better and nothing does. No medication takes you out of that, right? And now you're gonna. It's a tool that if you're a person of faith or if you're at all spiritual, it will increase either of those. If you're neither of those, it is a path to live the most wonderful life you can live. And so, and you guys are doing it, which is very very cool. And and as you were, as you just said, Luke, if you can get an advocate inside there, a you'll change his fundamentally change his life forever. And yep. B, that is the key for you to get getting calls at 10, 10 o'clock at night. Hey, could you and Emma talk to so-and-so? Because right. I just showed them this stuff, and they're sitting here crying. Can I hand you them the phone and you talk to them? And then you can change somebody else's life. So pretty crazy, pretty crazy stuff. Uh, let me ask you this. Um you said a few minutes ago that you get way more out of it than you put in. Can you expand on that? Um, for me, I just, I am so, I'm a little bit of a control freak, very type A, and I can, I can stress myself out. Why, like, hey, why is Luke, why, is my stress. why is Luke laughing, Emma? We, 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 we need a type A to, to run this train. <laughs> he is so laid back. I am so not. So I am high strung a lot and I have found I go in there and, you know, and I'm smiling and I'm making conversation. I think I'm making a positive difference, but my worries and my stress evaporates when I see someone who is joyful and by all definition of what they have and where they are in life, they shouldn't be joyful, but they still are. It's a slap in the face that I do not need to be stressing about a tax deadline and making it change my day. And so that's just a small example, but no matter what I'm feeling, I, when I go in there, I can't help but just smile and enjoy the conversation and just enjoy these people who are, they're trying way harder than I am at getting their life on track. Like they're, they're in the roughs of it and they're still happy. I think that's the biggest example to me is that circumstances do not, do not equate our mental state. Like we can't, we choose to be happy and we choose to every day try to be happy and yeah, so it's just been just such a good reminder that what I worry about is very small compared to what I have, and um, yeah, yeah, and and it just like that. It, it for, for me, it's you know, again, it just every time I go there, it reinforces just how once again, you know, don't you know, you should never think of other people as any different than you, no matter what the circumstances, because because you know they're just they're just regular folks, and um, you know, you'll see like in you know, there's. Here's this one old guy that I see every time. He's probably in his 60s. He's got he has a hard time walking. Looks like his knees probably give him all kinds of trouble. But he'll come hobbling over and say hello to us each time and chat for a second and walk off. I mean, you know these, you know they they, they have. I guess from the outside looking in, you would think these these people have every excuse to to just you know not not want to care about anything, not want to you know not not be joyful people, you know just. Yeah, almost what I kind of expected a homeless shelter to be like, but it, it's it's uh, and it might be like that in some places, but um, but at at, at this one, that's that is a, a Christian mission. You, you can tell that the, uh, you know, even the people that are down on their luck that are just there for a bed for the night and a meal, you know, that you know coming by, you know, having a little little chit chat with us, eating dinner, you know, get, getting out of the cold. You can tell it gives them hope, and and they and they're just normal people, and that's that's the best thing. They're just regular old folks. 
Well, let me just tell you, um, if you can infect that place with these ideas that that there is nothing wrong with you, because so much of homelessness is is mental health related, right? It's, oh, yeah. Right. Yep. And 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 it, it is, you know, it is the loss of hope. Right. After, you know, I lose a job and, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm divorced and, you know, I have whatever happens to you, you in life and and I, I'm struggling with it. And I, I, I just think that um, the vast, you know, 95 percent of the people I meet don't have mental health issues. They've gotten their asses kicked by life and they don't see a way through it. Yep. And, and then they and then we we as a nation, you know, the way we do this stuff is we're more than willing to medicate you. We're more than willing to sit there and listen to you. But as I always say, there is no medication that takes you to a great place. There is no, there is no, there is no number of words to talk being raped, to talk about having your friends killed in front of you. You can't, you can't talk those experiences to good. God has not invented or conceived of the number of words to do that. But both of those things may be a part of getting you to a great place. And if you guys can plant those seeds in that community, to me, what you do is you lay the foundation, you lay the asphalt, right, for getting them out of the valley of the shadow of death. And you and you can create hope in their lives. And to me, once you can create that hope again, right, you've now, um, you've now put a, a prosthetic on an amputated spirit. And yep. there's a scene from, uh, and you probably, Luke's probably heard me play this, but from the movie Scent of a Woman where Al Pacino says, you know, he, he, he goes to this disciplinary hearing. He plays a medically retired Army lieutenant colonel. And he's going to kill himself. And this kid, he's blind, right? And he's going to go to New York City and live it up for a weekend, and then he's going to kill himself. Well, he hires this kid to get him around. And he takes a liking to the kid, but the kid's been got in trouble in his prep school and uh, Al Pacino decides he'll go to the hearing and he'll stand up for the kid and he stands up there and uh, and he gives us this, this awesome little speech and at the end of it he said you know I have seen boys like this younger than this with their arms torn out with their legs ripped off and then he says but there is no sight like an amputated spirit there is no prosthetic for an amputated spirit. And I start post-traumatic winning with that now. And I said, what if he's wrong? What if what if there is a prosthetic for an amputated spirit and I could teach you how to make it today? Yep. And, then, and then what if I could teach you how to regrow that limb and that the limb you grew back was better than the one that was there? And Luke is living example of this. And, I, and at the end of it, I said, look, I told you I would teach this, you this stuff today. I have two goals and 10 commandments are the prosthetic. The secret to regrowing the limb and having it be better than the one that was there before is the third goal, the act of giving. If you'll give this stuff as often as you can, you will, you will live a life that you can't even fathom today. I promise you. I know that because I see people do it all the time. And and you guys are living proof of it, right? Luke's living proof. And Emma, you know, your, your, you know, your journey and, 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 and again, just to – even just in this interview – Right, the tone of your voice when you talk about your work there and how happy it makes you, but also the emotion in your voice when you talk about, you know, the rape experience, right? And that is the struggle with this stuff. It's how to go from that traumatic experience to the joyful experience. And what I most love about post-traumatic winning, and I love about you guys, is you guys are doing it, 
right? Postmatic winning gives you a path to that place, and the more often you share it with people, um, the crazier and and the and the more wonderful your own life gets. Um, so if somebody asked me, and here's an email, they do this as a couple. They both go together. Yes. Yes, that's mm-hmm. correct. Okay. All right. Typically, I'm I'm lifting the lids from the because another thing is just amazing about this place and just you know I think the first time that I went down there I, I was just really taken aback by how how well everything was done and um and, and I mentioned and I was talking about this I'm like Emma look at this like this isn't the government you know this isn't yeah this isn't the government helping people this is the community helping the community and I mean the amount of just I mean we have to we have a whole dessert table that's never you know, it's never wanting. It's and I'll all, say it's usually Publix. Yeah, we love Publix, Publix Panera but bread. Publix I mean, and Panera Bread are the biggest donators of uh, their bakery items. But I mean, yeah, and there's just there's cakes and and, and and cookies and stuff like that. Just I mean, for days. I mean, unfortunately, they even have to throw some of it out because you know when when the homeless shelter can't even use it. I mean, there's nowhere else to donate it. You know. Well, and, now and, now I understand why you're you're over there serving dessert. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> did have to. Don't have to get my secret decoder ring out for that. Uh, you got that figured out. But, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm usually lifting the, the the covers of the things, and Emma's going in with the with the scooper or the whatever you call that you. Uh-huh. What do you call that thing that you? Oh, like a serving. Like a serving, serving thing. thing. Yeah, I don't know, but she she does a serving. I'm I'm the one popping the stuff open. But uh, it's 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 a lot of fun, and we really enjoy it together. And 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 the best part is is um, not just because we. You know, we see the the same people who are in the residency every time, and those guys are great. But it's it's also nice seeing the, you know, the ones that are coming off the street, you know, lining up off the street every night, and um and you know recognizing and them recognizing you too, and you know it's just it's just nice to, just even even if uh, you know even if you're maybe not able to reach out to, to you know the big masses of them all the time, it's it's still you can tell that uh. Not only does it brighten your day when, when you talk to these people, but you know it's bright. You can tell it's brightening theirs as well, and uh, and it just makes me think of you know how many, you know how many people pass them by on the street and don't even give them the time of day or, or anything, and uh, but they can come in here and have a have a little conversation with some just you know yeah. regular folks. The chaplain made a comment once that um, volunteers the biggest. It's not just the work we're doing; it's the conversation we're making because. The homeless population, they might go days or weeks where they don't talk to someone else who isn't homeless or isn't required to talk to them because they either work for the city or whatever, or they're a police officer. So to have someone who doesn't have to interact with them, but is doing it willingly and with a smile and good conversation, that's the biggest thing we're giving. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's, I mean, that's also, I mean, same thing, seeing just the, you can tell the the joy in their eyes just when you talk to them a little bit, it, it gives you the Grinch moment too, because you can tell it's, you know, it, that might be the best thing that happened to them today or this week even. Now, let me explain the Grinch, Grinch moment. The Grinch moment is when, right, he hears the Who people singing, he discovers that Christmas is a spirit and not a bunch of presents and his yep. life changes and they put the x-ray machine in front of him. And his heart grows three times. And that's the way I describe, you know, this experience. Um, and, you know, and that's what they're describing. Like, uh, you know, when we when I walk out of there that I feel like I got so much more than I gave, that's that Grinch moment when, you know, you, you've touched the lives of other people. You know, you're, you're trying to do something good. And then, but you guys, I think, are on the path 
to do something greater. And um, I, and again, I just see the power of this stuff so much. And uh, and uh, so I just wanted to. Uh, I've seen. I saw. You know, I did post medic winning twenty nine times in in uh, three weeks. And I see Luke's mug all the time, and I hear Libby's voice all the time, <laughs> and uh, I see Russell, um, and uh, I, you know what? I, probably about a year ago, your brother sent me a, a really cool email, right? Um, and I talk about it, and I, I say, you know, little brothers get to see behind the curtain, right? Yeah, yeah. When the drinking's going on and the craziness is going on, and he sent well, me. You, you think I sent you a bunch of emails? You ought to see my brother's <laughs> text inbox. You know, I mean, or his wife's or text his, inbox. But he, but I would, you know, I would put my burdens on my little brother for a, a, a for a long time. You know, because you know, but before I was, you know, had met Emma and whatnot. You know, I didn't. I don't know. He's just him and I have always been extremely close and. But yeah, I, I know. I mean, I've been a serious burden to him, and I know he's worried about me for a long time. And, 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 you know, of course my mother and my, and my father, but you know, it's just, it's, it's just nice to know that I'm, I'm, I'm not causing them pain anymore. And I'm trying to, and I'm trying to do the right thing with my wife and us, you know, do the right things together. And, you know, well, it's no, just not he, always perfect, but we're getting there. Well, know? no. And that's the thing is it's a, I describe this stuff. It's not like going to Nordstrom where there's marble and brass and it's like yeah. a fight in a, in an alley behind two liquor stores with a Chinese restaurant in between them. <laughs> that's what this is. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. And, and that's, it's, it's not pretty and it's, it's ugly, but he sent me. And again, I use, you know, when I talk about you, Luke, I, I say, and I said, and, and you hear your mother's voice right at the end of this audio, when she goes back to thinking about watching you, right. Her voice starts cracking. Right. Right. And 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 I and then I I use it because it happens. Elizabeth Smart's voice cracks in the presentation when she says, um, "That night, Brian David Mitchell raped me." And then she says, "But it would be the last time." And when she says it would be the last time, she can't say it without her voice, you know, trailing off and getting very soft. And because she's going back there, right? And I said, "You're going to hear that repeatedly in this presentation." And I and and it what I want you to hear in that is you don't get over the traumatic experiences that you go through, you know you've heard it in Libby's voice today, right? And you hear it in, in Libby, you've heard it in Emma's voice today, you know you hear it in 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 your mother's voice. And I said that's just that's just thinking about going there. I point out in this little video clip that I play of Gene Sledge. I said, look, yep. this guy's harder than woodpecker lips, man. And he doesn't get close to shooting something, and he winds up on his knees in this panic attack. Are you kidding me? Fought every day on Okinawa, every day on Peleliu. That's the kind of grip this stuff ha can have on you if you don't find a way to deal with it. You know, yep, if you don't right. find a way to deal with it. And then I say, and look, you know, little brothers, as they get to, get to hang out. They see behind the curtain, you know. And I said, and Russell, you know, he's terrified he's going to lose his little brother, his big brother. Right. And I and then I say, and honestly, he was beyond terrified. Okay. Yeah. Because of what he saw. And um and I said, and, and if you'll do these things, you'll have the opportunity, you know, to be a really important figure in somebody's life. And it's and you don't have to get up here, you know, and talk, you know, but for me, Luke was post traumatic winner number one. I didn't know what I was doing. 
I didn't know what I was doing. And and I will tell you very coolly, you guys are on the path to doing that, you know, in a, in a place that I don't think it's been done yet. Um, and I would love to, uh, I would love to see you guys blow it up down there. And, you know, Luke, you start, you start giving little classes on what post-traumatic winning is all about. And, and, and you know, I, just, 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 yeah, real quick on that. Cause I've talked to him about this too, where, yeah, I, I at some point need, need to meet the director or, or somebody like that. Cause you know, I don't want to, which you know, I don't know what kind of they, they what their what yep. rules they're operating under. You know what I mean? And, I and, but I want, I want to be able to explain this. Like this is, this isn't, this isn't secular, nor is it, nor is it, you know, a Christian program. It's a supplement to, to a spiritual program that, that goes hand in hand. It's, it's, it's just more, it's just, it's more specifics on how to properly live your life. And, and I, and one reason I think that this, this could become a thing there more, more than it is, is that they are on a one year plan. You know, they give them a year where they, 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 they teach them all sorts of stuff, give them a lot of responsibility, but the idea behind it is they're going to integrate back into society at the end of this. And, you know, I think the whole idea is we don't want them coming back. Right. We don't want to be recidivist. What's that word? Recidivism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole plan is, you know, this, this place is yes, a shelter for, for the, for the people who need it on like an, on a, you know, any night basis and a meal, but it's also for a smaller group of guys, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a mission to, to, to get out of this and to, and to try and resume as close to a normal life as possible. And I think that this, um, you know, uh, post-traumatic winning is a little bit more of, it's, it's, it's more of a road roadmap more so than don't, don't get me wrong, you know, strengthening your faith with God, becoming more spiritual. That's, that's all great. And that's, that's extremely important. You know, if it, the most important, if you ask me, but at the same time, I think there's a, depending on maybe who's, you know, teaching you the ways you might not really get the the whole roadmap out of it where post-traumatic winning is a nice roadmap on like, listen, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. And if you'll stick to this and if you'll be honest with yourself, you're, you're going to be fine. You know, or you're not, not that you're going to be fine. You already are fine. You're just going to, you're just going to be more joyful. You know, and, and the thing about the opportunity they have is you have a chance to be a trendsetter, you know, in the nation. And, and, you know, if, and the data points that I'm, that I'm so proud of relative to post-traumatic winning is, you know, two different commands of over 10,000 Marines and sailors have, have dropped their t suicide attempts 50%. Into that's awesome. Right. That's, I mean, so there's nobody else that does that. And it's, and in other places, it's still increasing. That, that right. Are, that right. Getting right. So, it's, and, and your point is right, now. right. Depending on who teaches you and, 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 and whatnot is, you know, it, it may not, it may not stick. It may not resonate. And I say, look, our approach is wrong. Just look at the data. It keeps going up. And this past year, in the year of COVID, 2nd Marine Air Wing saw their suicide attempts go down almost 50%. I mean, that's crazy. It's not supposed to be able to be like that. But, yeah. but that's how powerful it is. And when, as you said, when you combine it, and I say this, if you're a person of faith, this is a tool that you can use with your faith to make your faith stronger, right, and your faith experiences better. Yep. And, and, and what you said, it, it fortifies your faith because 
if, if I tell people, when you're down there in the valley of the shadow of death and you're medicating yourself and you're going to group therapy and you're talking about it and you're not making any progress, you better have rock solid faith in God because if you don't, that's where people, that's how people, right? That's how you end up dead, yeah. Right, it that's is. how you end up dead. And so, I mean, I, I know for a hundred percent, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't even want to think about where I, because, because there was a, there was a time in life where I tried to, you know, or just, you know, how, how could there be a God, you, you, you know, yeah, that, that allowed this kind of thing to happen. But l- luckily that didn't last too long with me. I snapped out of that and realized, no, I need to be turning towards him. But that's, you know, Luke, I, but, but, but that's fatigue. That that, that's you know? fatigue. That's in my opinion, that's fatigue in the valley yeah. of the shadow of death. Like I keep doing everything that everybody's telling me to, to do, but I'm getting worse, right? And your right. mother's watching this, Russell's watching this, your dad watching it, and Emma watching it, right? right. You know, and, and I know that it's supposed to get better, but I know it's not helping me. So to me, that's the, that's the bright light that post-traumatic winning is. It's, hey, you've got to get your act together so you can, you can help other people and that is so, I find that is what's so irresistible to people is that it's not just don't do this. It's like, okay, you've got to do these things. And when you do these things, you're able to do this. And this is the drug you need to be on. This is what you need in your life, right? And if you need any validation of that, just listen to Emma's voice earlier in the interview when she's talking about the joy she gets from helping other people. That's it. That's the ticket. Right, yep. so we need you to get full up round, right? We need you to get better and do the, all these other things so you can get to this spot. But the the clincher is the first time they do it for somebody else. Life changing, absolutely life changing, and you don't lose them after that. So what are you guys doing today, Emma? Uh, you are you working from home? Are you not working? What are you doing? Um, so I, we have a little bit of a snow day um, with my office. I am going to log on later just because I would be shooting myself in the foot if I didn't do some taxes today. I would go. be living at the office the rest of the week. So I'm going to do a little bit of work here from home. But we are snowed in. Well, not really, but the eyes are the roads are so icy we can't leave. So what's the what, what what's the current temperature there? I think it's, uh, it's still not fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. 15? For it's Alabama, cold. that is cold. We are. Like I think forty degrees is frigid. So yeah, it's fifteen and snowing. It's just light, light snow. Our news, uh, our news shared today that um, this morning we were four degrees colder than Anchorage, Alaska, in Alabama. Hey, my son's up in the Arctic Circle in Norway. The one, uh-huh. my oldest, who's a company commander. Oh yeah. So I, I messaged him yesterday. Hey, what's the current air temperature? He said twenty-two. So it's colder in Alabama than it is in Norway. in Norway inside the Arctic Circle. So congratulations, guys, on that. Yeah, hey. <laughs> and we're not getting anything like they are in Texas. I don't know. Uh, we were surviving. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I don't know. They were uh, a buddy of mine lives right on the in McAllen, which is right on the border of Texas and uh, and Mexico, and it was 22 there yesterday. So you guys are you guys are doing better than they are. Their, uh, their windmill farms and solar now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How about that? That's awful. That's awful. What about you, Luke? What are you doing today? I got to write a technical paper for aerospace structures. So plenty of plenty of fun to be had. There you go. All right. Well, first of all, uh, to both of you, um, thank you very much for hopping on and, and doing this. I know this is these discussions are always uh, inspiring for people, and uh, and also. 
you know, encouraging them to get involved in their community. And not only go spend time, but, you know, if you listen to this program and you understand post-traumatic winning, you have an opportunity, you know, to change your community. Um, if, uh, if you can open up a door and, and adopt these, in my opinion, this very common sense approach to dealing with trauma, all of it valid and true, uh, that is life-changing for so many people. And if you can introduce it there, you'll change lives, no doubt about it. And Luke and Emma are doing it. So, uh, guys, thanks very much for the visit today. Have a great one. Hey, thanks, thanks Matt. Matt. All right, take care. Tell Libby I said hey. hey she, she's listening. <laughs> hey, Libby. <laughs> love you, Mom. All right, yeah, love you, Libby and the Grinch. <laughs> See ya. Later. All right. There you have it. Luke and Emma. How about that for a cool story? Yeah, Luke, uh, post-traumatic winner number one. So, uh, now it's, uh, I often, I used to say good on top of good on top of good on top of good, but I don't even say that anymore. I say great on top of great on top of great on top of great on top of great. Yeah, and that's what that story is right there. That's a great story. And, uh, and it's Luke and Emma's story. You know, um, Life-changing, life-changing story, and now, you know, they're using uh, their own pain, right, and their journey from trauma to joy to impact the lives of others, man. Let me tell you, it does not get better than that. Not on this planet, anyway. So thanks for listening to my one-hour show that went an hour and 21 minutes today. Um... I'm not sure what I'm going to do tomorrow. Uh, I, I should probably have Grant Newsham on. We'll talk to Grant at some point. And the Mensa brothers have to get on this week, so I'll do that. I think the chef will be back on Friday, so that'll be fun. Uh, it's been a while. So, uh, anyway, good to be home. Uh, the weather here today, going to be 65 degrees here. We are not participating in the cold weather the rest of the nation is, so... For those of you that are dealing with that, stay inside. If you don't have to go driving, especially if it's icy, don't. Ice driving, not so good. So, one more thing, a reminder. Um, I have post-traumatic winning now uh, in a narrated version. If you think you can change somebody's life, shoot me an email, give me their email address, and I will uh, I'll give them access to uh, to the presentation on one condition that you have to mentor them. You have to sit down and talk to them about after every hour what they see, blah blah blah, and have a conversation with them. And I promise, if you show them this, it'll change your life. I see it every day. So, with that said, have a great day on a Tuesday, the 16th day of February. I'm out. And most importantly, don't be afraid to change somebody's life. You just heard Luke and Emma talking about it. All right. Go to Happy Land. 
See you tomorrow. I'm out.